I mean, one of the notes I wrote down is like, if we are not disoriented, confused, frustrated, lost, un- and uncomfortable, then I suspect mm. we are not disrupting our practice enough. I would just probably say with conviction instead of, I suspect. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Disrupting Our Practice. I'm Shannon Patterson. And I'm Greg Flynn. This podcast is for white-bodied leadership and organization development consultants, facilitators, coaches, and trainers. This is a weekly podcast dedicated to the exploration of how we practitioners can disrupt our practices, those practices where we are unwittingly perpetuating racism, oppression, and harm. And it's all in service to being able to co-create a culture of equity, justice, and healing so we live in a world that truly works for everyone. Thanks for joining us as we work to disrupt our practice. Hi, Shannon. Hi, Greg. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. I think I'm starting to say that every episode because we record on Mondays. Yeah, we have been. Yeah. Yeah. Happy hot Monday. It's toasty here in Seattle. It is really weird for me. I think we're pushing 90 degrees today. Yeah, it does not uh, bode well for the summer. No, though we have (laughs) been having some years of good May, and then we go into January. Mm, So I'm really hoping that we have January. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, usually we're complaining about it, but this year would be very welcome, I think. Yes, I think so. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Well, do you want to check in and then we can just dive in? Yeah, sounds good. I, I can go first just to get us going. And go for it. This hot weather, um, I think, made it hard to sleep for me, hmm. uh, among other things. And so just coming in a little bit lower capacity from not having a whole lot of sleep and um, emotionally and mentally feeling uh, like a pressure of a lot of things to do that feel important to me that also feel like they're all competing for my time. So mm. feeling a little, I'd say distracted and slightly grumpy. So maybe <laughs> if I get prickly, <laughs> you know, that part of me, mm. uh, that's mm-hmm. just kind of there in a spiritually a little, I don't know if it's possible for these things to exist side by side, but I'm going to hold out a sense of feeling spiritually connected to something bigger. I think maybe that's part of what's drawing me forward into the, the emotional and mental things that I am feeling excited about. And Mm -hmm. also a little bit of a spiritual depletion of, of having those things needing to fit in a construct, which I think I am doing to myself. And then Mm -hmm. the world does to us too about Mm -hmm. productivity and websites and deadlines and things and technology. (laughs) So I think, yeah. yeah. So my capacity is probably six and a half out of 10. So mm-hmm. not the highest. Yeah. Mm. How are you doing on this sunny, hot Monday? Yeah. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good. You know, physically I'm feeling pretty good. I actually, we are the, my wife and I are the proud owners of a new micro heat pump. And the nice thing Ooh. about a micro heat pump is they are also basically little air conditioners. And so even though we've been in this incredibly hot weather and parts of the house are uncomfortable, the bedroom was not last night. And so we got good sleep. I got good sleep. I know that I won't speak for her. And 
Uh, so I'm feeling good. I've got a number of project things in the works and some stuff happening later today and stuff happening later this week. And just, so I'm super excited about all that. And, but it's, it's relatively easy to kind of set it aside because it's all moving mm. very smoothly. So, so that's good. Yeah. So, and emotionally I'm feeling excited about things and just feeling good. And that the, while it's hot, the sun is definitely doing wonders. We got our garden planted this weekend. And oh, nice. so that was really nice to get my hands dirty and the bee in the soil and that felt really good. Yeah. So I'm feeling all that. And I think that, so from a spiritual, spiritually perspective that, that feels a big part of it, you know, just getting connected to, to plants and to the soil and to the earth and feels good. Yeah. Yeah, sure does. Me too. I got mine planted this maybe planted over the weekend also and had lots of time with hands in the dirt, even despite the heat. I think that also adds to like, it's just such a change of gears to get out Mm -hmm. of that place all weekend and then sit down here and be like, I don't want to do this. (laughs) So So I'm not after this call. So yeah. 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 Well, let's, you know, it's interesting though, because you know, you mentioned that and you mentioned the kind of like all the frameworks that we get kind of shoved into and like all the productivity, which I think might be tied into a little bit what we were going to talk about you've been you've been doing some reading and some noodling on some things and you were sharing a little bit with me before we got on to record and i i'm tracking and i'm curious so i'd love to just if you want to just unpack a little bit of what has been on your mind as coherently or incoherently as you want to and then i'll see like what questions emerge and we can just kind of unravel this together. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm curious if you're able to take a stab at what you think I've said so far before we got on the call just as a way to help me get oriented or do you want me to try again? I want that one. You want me to try again? All mm-hmm. right. I think incoherence is what might be the the key here. Um what's been really on my mind really since we did our disrupting our practice workshop series uh, where we were, you know, working with other coaches and facilitators, consultants, and also people who aren't formally in that role, but are, you know, convening and holding space and thinking about how do we really interrogate our practices? Um, And, you know, there's a whole individual capacity building practice where, we're building our awareness. We're building our ability to be less white fragility and have, you know, mm-hmm. kind of more ground and resources to be present and different in in how we respond when the charge of race enters the room. Um, so there's there's that piece which I feel like I've spent the most time in over the last few years and feeling through some other project work I have going on where we're, and a lot of the project work that I do is uh, tends to be with other white bodied coaches and facilitators in rooms full of white bodied people for the most part. And that is shifting in various ways in my life. And so I'm, I'm finding myself with increasing curiosity about, wow, how do I build my capacity to really interrogate the tools that I'm using or the approaches that I'm using everything from, you know, liberating structures and what is embedded in those from a power and privilege perspective, 
Um, so it could be like, I think of those as tools. Um, th- mm-hmm. But those that's also a mindset and approach because it's based in complexity. Science, which is different than kind of our traditional cause and effect, linear, you know, control mm-hmm. types of ways. You know, when we think of traditional project management or change management. So I'm finding myself a little stumped. I mean, this is definitely an episode where we're, we're learning, we're learning right along with you, which is like, okay, so I mm-hmm. pull up liberating structures and I'm like, how do I interrogate this thing? Mm-hmm. You know, like what's my starting question or what's my starting point? And mm-hmm. I feel a little embarrassed to say, I don't feel entirely clear about that. Mm-hmm. I'm tempted to stop there, but I think I'll say one more thing. It's taken mm-hmm. me into um, thinking about, at least power and privilege as a starting point and where does it reside and what does any one of the things that I decide to use, how does it orient to power and privilege or what's embedded in it? And it's taken me to looking at mutual aid approaches, you know, which in a, in a nutshell, uh, which does it a huge disservice, but, you know, solidarity and not charity in terms of how people, communities of people provide support to one another while also trying to change the systems that are causing them harm. And I've been reading a book called Mutual Aid by Dean Spade. Um, we can put links in the show notes. And uh-huh. Dean Spade is actually an a, assistant professor at Seattle U. I think I got that all right. But just made me think of all of the ways that they speak to disrupting traditional ways of, of decision-making um, who gets invited in to do things, hmm. um, you know, disrupting professionalism and silos and just all these things that can happen um, and how mutual aid efforts become co-opted in all sorts of ways. And so it feels to me like there's lots of resources out there that I have yet to engage with and learn from, but that there are distinct starting points, you know, or questions of inquiry Hmm. that I could start with. And yeah, I'd like to develop a practice around, around interrogating my tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I'm sitting with. That was a lot. Mm. Yeah. 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 I, I appreciate all this. I'm, I'm hearing then. So just kind of coming back to what you were saying at the beginning around like having being having been working on developing capacities of developing your own individual capacity to be in the work and to be in mixed spaces and to navigate the charge of race when it emerges um, in in explicit ways. Right. Um, Right. But wanting to now turn your attention a bit more to, so I think about like the, the, the idea of like the, there's the, the individual, place that we're then there's a the connection the relationships that we're in but then there's the the tools and processes that are supporting all of those relationships Mm -hmm. right and so it's kind of like that third place is kind of what you're thinking about now in terms of the tools and taking the conversation we had we did because we did an episode i don't know when it was a while back i forget what it was called even i'll put it in the show notes whatever it was um on uh, that was related to that that workshop on thinking about the tools and right. I think we were primarily thinking about it from the lens of how does utilizing this tool create harm or 
prevent harm or something along those lines. It wasn't, you, you're starting to think about what I'm hearing in, in your questions is uh, um, almost like a, a multidimensional inquiry into the ways that the tools we're using, that's the way to put this. Trying to, trying to, I'm trying to, I'm having my own uh, moment of incoherence here of trying to understand like how the tools are actually not just like where they come from or how, like who made them or, but like, how are they, what are they in service to? And, and how are, yeah. how are they maybe, how are there maybe aspects of them that we are not seeing? And I put myself in it. Cause I mean, you're in the question. I'm, this is a question that I'm in too. Um, I just didn't know it <laughs> um, or was it wasn't on top yet. Um, how, 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 what, what is it that we're not seeing about them that are, is maybe creating, um, dynamics that are not what we, what we want, but like are actually upholding the, the, the structures and frameworks that we're actually still operating in unconsciously. Yes. And I think there's another layer as you're talking, like you and I've talked, and I think you've said this repeatedly, like the tools are not, they're not benevolent, you know, they're not unbiased or objective. But I think there's another layer here, like you and I have mentioned, referred to Patrice M. I know there's yep. a middle initial in there, Patrice Palmer. And, you know, their invitation to think about, it's different to in, invite people to say, like, you are welcome here mm -hmm. and something else to say, I had you in mind. So it makes me think about how do I pick up something like liberating structures and are they creating welcome or are they, do they really have everyone of different positionalities in mind? And I think what's feeling even more so here for me is the tools that I feel like, like liberating structures, which have a complexity consciousness background and a systems background, mm -hmm. they are not benevolent either, right? It's so like I hold them up as like, oh, they've already done a lot of things to address all the things. Um, and yet I've also heard, you know, criticism and a criticism of liberating structures. And so I'm not trying to pick on them, but there's something that I use a lot. And it's like, oh, so I felt like that moment of like, oh, even these things that I feel like have done so much to distribute right. power and to get every voice in the room and to have collective decision making, there's still places where mm -hmm. that is not true. And so it just made me curious and alarmed and want to dig into this and understand you know, and I think sometimes, uh, so we're reading something, let me pull up the title here, the systems change, uh, systems, let me go back up to the top, because they say something here that really got my attention. So this is systems change mm -hmm. and deep yeah. equity, pathways towards sustainable impact beyond Eureka, unawareness and unwitting harm. And this is by an organization called Change Elemental, highly recommend. Um, and we'll put this up there for people, but you know, there's talk about, I think system change folks can feel like, you know, they've covered a lot of the bases and that it has equity in mind. And yet they're bringing up that there are lots of ways that these systems change approaches are in fact, not really doing deep, mm -hmm. true work around equity. And so it just has me really, mm -hmm. really thinking about things um, and really wanting to deepen my practice and awareness and learning yeah. and discomfort around pulling these things apart. And I just don't even really know how to 
Well, it's, I mean, it's interesting because when you mentioned liberating structures, in will you will name like liberating structures capital L capital S like it's a liberatingstructures.com. It's a it's a whole suite right. of tools and a methodology and a philosophy and approach uh, that you can check out their website. We'll link to it. And you mentioned you know they're rooted in cl- complexity sciences, and and then you know when talking about like the ways the things that haven't been in mind, and then you know there's this part in that that article that that paper you mentioned on page. Um, 16, where it talks about, where it says, and I quote, um, a lot of what we see in systems change fields is what we would term Eureka or, and I love this, Columbus moments. That is discoveries of quote unquote, the quote unquote, like quote unquote discoveries of quote unquote new approaches that were already decades long practices and perhaps millennia old. And this is what, so, so when you mention complexity right. sciences, I think this is one of the things I, that kind of drives me a little bit bananas about complexity sciences in general. And like, there's, I think you shared with me a podcast a while back about um, that. I, I forget what it was, whose it was, but there were some books that were floating around and, and a couple of podcasts. And one of the things that kind of has always driven me a little bit bananas about it is when you listen to folks talk about complexity through a slightly different lens, you realize you're actually listening to people like talk about indigenous wisdom or, um, things that come out of traditions, you know, in India or the Middle East, uh, East Asia, like that are millennia old, like thousands of years old. But it's like at white academia, academia quote discovers it and makes it a thing and gets paid money for it. And you know, maybe they do. Maybe there are some people who are like, yeah, we're noticing, you know, in quantum physics, we're starting to realize that the p- things that you know, that we're talking about in the, in the Vedas, you know, 4,000 years ago are, are true. Like, and, right. but then it gets talked about, doesn't get talked, it doesn't ever get kind of reframed as, oh, this is actually this, this wisdom that maybe we should go build a relationship with communities that have maintained a connection to those lineages. We just kind of keep forward and going on and talk about cl- complexity and we understand it. Here's our, our, here's all the, all the literature on it. And, and so I can definitely understand how there would be a, a sense among particular populations that it's like, oh, that's nice that you've thought of that. And that's nice that you've brought that into the space. But because you're not seeing this thing and you're not actually seeing the full context in which it actually emerged from, you're still not getting it. Yes, I think that's really naming that part uh, that you, the quote that you mentioned really stood out to me also. I think the the meta the meta connection to what I was saying of like oh here I thought the tools that and they have gone a long way they're better than some other ways still have you know still of course have their blind spots and biases so it's not about any tool mm-hmm. being perfect or me trying to perfect a tool but it's that that piece that you're you're bringing in of it coming in through through white bodied folks or discovery or academia and what it's missing and then it you know, it just makes me think of like, and I'm a white bodied person, you know, so what, how I do these things can't help but be imbued with whiteness unless I, or I co-opt them and I start putting my lenses of, of how things are air quote or how things need to function in corporate. And, you know, they just get misconstrued and become harmful and weaponized. I mean, so anyway, so all of that and, guess that's where you start is the recognition that 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 can happen you know and so knowing that 
Mm-hmm. What's the slowdown for myself? You know, to look at a design, I feel like I don't have, it's a blind spot. Still, like I could sit down with the design and just be like, hmm, what assumptions yeah. am I making here? You know, who, who, where's the decision-making lie? So I'm just curious, like if we were to, what questions you would add into that if we were, you know, designing something and going into a really diverse space, like what, what sorts of things do we want to be checking in with ourselves about? Yeah. And what, I don't know, think about, you know, a project that is kind of on the horizon that I'm engaged in where decision-making is a big part of it. And, 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 and explicitly the desire for decision making is said to be to the whole group, not just to a particular set of people, like a leadership team or something. It's like the desire is for decision to happen. Mm. And that's a stated, you know, intention. And like, I've, I would think we've, we've all been part of things where they've said that before, but then you actually get into the mix. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of a particular project that you and I worked on probably five years ago where we went into an organization, we were asked to support a, a, a group of kind of mid-level management and coming up with some principles. And the desire was for them to have principles that worked for them. And then we we brought their what they gave us and we put it together into a set of five principles and brought it to the executive team and they weren't interested in them, you know? And to our knowledge, never right. did anything with them, Let like not not didn't take them back to our knowledge and say, Hey, you guys, this isn't going to work. Like we need to do something different. As far as we know, they just kind of disappeared into the ether. There's a way in which we need to be in the inquiry ourselves. And we need to be like, are we willing to actually have the conversations with the people who are signing our checks to say, look, you know, you said this, Mm -hmm. you know, like, so, and your people are expecting it. And if what you're trying to do, especially if you're doing like this, this project, I'm this, this kind of project on the horizon says, you know, we want to have an equitable lens on this whole thing. Well, that doesn't happen if you <laughs> decide that you don't like the output and you should take the, the decision-making power, decision-making back, which is tricky for us when we're in a position where we've been hired by a, by a particular person. Yeah. As you're talking about that project, it always helps me to anchor into something concrete here and, you know, kind of retrospect it back. But so as you're talking, I think the learning that we've both taken away is there's also a, an upfront contracting mm-hmm. piece. I mean, I use this exact example with a, a team that I'm also thinking about working with different mm-hmm. from your new thing on the horizon, you know, where it was like, how do we how do we want to make decisions? You know, if you're going to go forward and ask people to do something, how do we want to make decisions? And I think there's a, a depth and a disruption and a, a pushing on things that I would like to feel better a, equipped to do to help people think about that from an equity. I think people will think about mm-hmm. it from a participation standpoint or an engagement standpoint or decision-making, participative decision-making, but then bringing the, the equity mm-hmm. conversation into it. You know, sometimes I'll use those words exactly. And sometimes I might not, might need to kind of stealth it in there, but to, to begin to talk mm-hmm. about 
that before and if they aren't prepared to really take what the people generate and support it no matter what even if it's not what they expected or not quite what they like having having some ability to talk about that but there's also so that's before you even do the work and then there's the during the work right and we've all I think all been subject to the sentiment of we want them to develop it and a couple of different things that can happen I felt like that project we were in they really developed it I mean we used liberating structures and you know they generated it to like 90% done in their own words Um, and it was wonderful so that during went well but i think we've also been in places where there's the tyranny of mm-hmm. you know faux consensus decision making and so during how do we disrupt slow down name you know that that experience of decision making so that it becomes something different or if it isn't going to be different that we are honest about the fact that it's not going to be different. It seems like there's many mm-hmm. a thing to do in that during-ness. And then there's also the after, which feels interesting where the payment, you know, certainly being contracted and my paycheck being hooked to something. But what felt more frustrating in that in that dynamic mm-hmm. is that we couldn't make them go back, you know. All we could say is we highly recommend or mm-hmm consider how this is going to land on people. Hey, it's been three months. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you haven't been back to them. Like, what do you think the impact of that is? You know, so just, I just find myself wondering about what's the after engagement or disruption. Part of what I'm hearing you talk about then is how do you have in mind the whole, the whole arc of a process from the beginning that includes um, the, the distribution of, of decision-making assuming that that's up front. I mean, if they're up front and they say like, look, you know, what I want them to do is I want them to give me a bunch of data and then I'm going to turn that into a thing that I'm going to tell them that's what you're using. That's a, an approach. And maybe, maybe we wouldn't, we would or wouldn't want to take that job. Maybe we wouldn't, you know, just because it's like, yeah, it's not really our thing, but, right. but if we're going to go in, if we're going to, you know, be utilizing a process from the very beginning, we need to be thinking about, how do we make sure that those who are most likely to not be heard are heard and that there's a way to come back Mm -hmm. and say they weren't heard. And we think the reason that they weren't heard is because of kind of the habitual norms of this organization and literally our culture, but like, and, and so we need to stay in that conversation, but that needs to be set up front, you know, and in some ways that, that project where the, the work just kind of disappeared that definitely wasn't something we did. You know, we didn't have any kind of, um, I don't think we ever right. started with a question of like, well, who makes a decision on the final thing? Mm-hmm. What's your process for right. going, like, where does it go? What's our communication yeah. refinement with, process from here? Not with, us, with the group. Yeah. This group, yeah. not with us. Yeah, but how do we support that? that so the that stuff. part yeah. of our role is to make sure, because I do think it's part of our role. I think part of our role is to ensure that, you know, there's that every voice gets heard thing. And I think, you know, there are things like liberating structures that, that, you know, there are tools within liberating structures that people would recognize from other spaces because some of those things that became liberating structures are pretty common facilitation processes. But um, the idea of every voice gets heard doesn't necessarily stand to, doesn't necessarily, um, sword, 
um, take into account that some people um, are much less likely to actually be heard um, because of positionality and because of systems of oppression, because of white supremacy. And so part of our job, right. even as white-bodied facilitators, is to disrupt that, which means from the very beginning, thinking about it as we're contracting. Yes. And it's also making me think about, you know, Im important partners to have, yep. you know, alongside to something I really want to change. Mm -hmm. You know, you and I want to change in our practice is to have, yep. you know, folks that we're facilitating alongside um, of different positionalities yep. too. So there's, there's that important piece. So it's become less about the tool, of course, and more about the, you know, the larger landscape and context and, you know, where we're finding, where we're intersecting with those that might want our support and sort of trying to suss out at the beginning what people are thinking and wanting and how serious they are. And mm -hmm. are they raising these issues? The team I was just talking to was very, at least bringing the things up, like, Mm -hmm. or, or, well, how are these things not going to get weaponized? It's like, great. I'm so glad we're having this conversation, yes. you know, that principles getting weaponized. Yeah. So as always less about the tool and more about yeah. the, the, the relationship and the, the, what are we doing as a collective and how are we holding it? Um, There's a way. So one of the things about liberating structures is I understand it. You know, much more about it than I do. Um, you've been much more involved with that community and with, with the kind of inner circle of that community than I have. But as I understand it, like the intent is the book itself that they put out and the website is designed as anybody can print this out, open the book like a recipe, right? And step one, do this. Okay. <laughs> step two, do this. Yeah. Step three, do this, you know? And that's great in theory that to like put the, put in the hands of anybody who is going to be working with a group of people tools that can liberate um, ideas and get voices heard and all that. That's great in theory, but I'll, the, the analogy I'll, I'll make here, and I've used this in, in, a, in another thing, but I'll, I can use it here is I've been cooking from recipes for, I don't know, 20 years or something. I start, I didn't start mm -hmm. cooking until much later in life. Right. And my cooking sucks. Like it just does. It doesn't taste very good. It's like the, the flavors don't pop. I've had your cooking and I've seen the way you cook and it's like maybe what, like 30% from the recipe, right? I mean, whatever, but you just, you have a way in right. the kitchen that makes yeah. the food pop and I can follow a recipe as that's good. I've had, it's, oh, it's tasty. You. I, I, yeah, it's been too long actually, <laughs> <laughs> but my food, my cooking isn't good. And like, and I follow the recipe and my, my wife's always like, well, you know, you can add spice and stuff. I'm like, ah, no recipe, recipe, recipe. Right. And I can, I can imagine what that's like for somebody who's like, right. look, you know, I don't know how to facilitate. I've got this thing. I'm going to do the thing. Step one, this step two, this step three, this again, great in theory, but in, in the, in, a, in different hands, in the hands of somebody maybe who has been doing some of these kinds of inquiries you can take step one, step two, step three, and tweak them to actually address the underlying issue that's happening in the room, which may very well be or probably is that there are certain voices not being heard. 
because of positionality, because of white supremacy. And, but that requires something else. So it's like, yeah, it's not the tool in and of itself. If we use the tool exactly as designed only, then we're going to miss out on a lot of things, but we can still take the tool. Like you could probably fix a car without a wrench. <laughs> I thought you were going to say without YouTube. <laughs> You can't, you can't do anything with, you, you, you can't do anything without, without YouTube, YouTube. If you can were you really know? good. No, yeah. But no, but like, if you were yeah, like somebody who really had a good sense of cars, you could probably fix a car without a wrench. I'm, I'm guessing that there's somebody out there who'd be like, oh, it'd be a real pain in the ass, but yeah, I can make it work. Well, I find myself thinking as you're describing all of that in the recipe and that there's a something else, you know, that makes someone able to follow a recipe and have it taste okay and have it taste stellar. And I've heard all sorts of different theories about that for the, but for the sake of our conversation, I think it just underscores the need to understand the Mm -hmm. larger context of, of white supremacy and white dominant culture and its roots and history and its purpose and colonialism and, capitalism, you know, all the things, all the ways that show up in what becomes a definition of mm-hmm. efficient or effective or professional, you know, or the ways that, you know, that we can't have mm-hmm. everyone involved. Oh my God, we'll be here forever. You know, and mm-hmm. that's, that's not true. Everyone could be involved, you know, if we were willing to do any number of things that are also disruptive to, mm-hmm. you know, white dominant ways of, engaging. So, you know, I think it's that larger understanding. And another thing that that article points to, and that we've pointed to is that you can't just have a conceptual cognitive book knowledge, understanding of those things that there have been ways that you are, are Mm -hmm. also having an embodied, you know, experience of your own capacity and what those things feel like and how that all intersects all that conditioning. And so, you know, it needs to be reflective, embodied, ongoing, communal, relational uh, practice. Um, So it's not so much, I mean, sure, I think we could come up with a list of, you know, always ask yourself these five questions as you're grabbing some facilitation approach off, off the off the shelf that that's awesome. And even bigger, like what's informing your own practice. I mean, as you and I have talked about just as our own practitioners and what do we believe and what are we trying to do and what are we willing to do and not do and, and why, as it relates to, you know, yeah, systems change, culture change, powerful and I, it can be harmful. It can be done in ways that are harmful. And I need to understand that as best as I can and learn from those that will help me understand that in ways that I will never on my own. You're pointing to a question that Resma Medicum asks a lot. I've heard him ask a lot in different podcasts, which is who are your people? Who are the people you're in this work with? Like if, if, and this is something for the listener to consider, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, cool. You're reading the books. Cool. You're listening to the podcast, the other podcasts that are out there, seeing, seeing whites and, you know, uh, yeah, there's, there's lots of different things. You could be the the audio books and all of that. Great. Going to workshops. Excellent. 
But do you have community? Do you have people that you're actually in relationship with where you are wrestling with this stuff, where you are trying to figure out this, you know, these things together. And that is actually super disruptive to, you know, our typical way of doing things in this culture. I would tend to add on to the end of that, like for men, especially like that's really true, but I don't think that's, it's Mm -hmm. just men who as white bodied folks are in anti-racism work on their own, reading the book at home, maybe joining a book club, which is also cool. But like, is that book club yeah. just looking at the books or are you also actually looking at yourself and you're looking at the work and you're looking at how you approach your work and all of those things. So I think that, you know, is a huge piece of this is like, who are your people? I, I completely agree. And where are you able to experience like really practice this stuff. I mean, one of the notes I wrote down is like, if we are not disoriented, confused, frustrated, lost and and uncomfortable, then I suspect Mm. we are not disrupting our practice enough. I would just probably say with conviction instead of, I suspect, you know, where can I practice a different way of knowing, or if I'm not going to, you know, you and I try and design our workshops Mm -hmm. to be in themselves a disruption of how we learn Mm -hmm. And engage together. You know, it's not slides. It's not whatever. The, you know, I have to resist my temptation to add in one <laughs> cognitive thing, um, but not and to really have different experiences where you are not in control, where you are not the one leading the space, where you just can see completely different ways of doing things than we normally do do things because they're yeah. a wonderful, liberating, healing. And they have their own challenges for sure, but it's a way different experience. And so just to begin to have a felt experience of, to, of all of that, to be in another, another way of being is helpful on so many yeah. levels. I think I'll stop there since we're yeah. wanting yeah. to wrap. Yeah. I appreciate all of that, Shannon. I think the, you know, what I'm taking away here is, it, it is important to think about where do our tools come from and, and where, what are the things that source they, they source from, you know, and where do those things actually originate? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if it, I'm guessing that there's a lot of things, I know that there's a lot of things that are embedded in facilitator facilitator world that come out of traditions that don't get acknowledged, whether it be things like T groups, yeah. right. And the origins of that, or, something like complexity science and what is that actually like, what is that, what is that uncovered that maybe as white bodied folks, we could acknowledge a little, we can a lot better. You mean in terms of like, you know, the advent of science to, to make them valid when. Exactly. We needed some sort of, I don't know, like it needed to follow some process that we deemed to be appropriate when these are things. And then not only that, but like they, they were denied you know, and, and not just denied, but like people were, people were, when it comes to things like indigenous practices, like on this continent, in this, you know, on this land, we actually were going out of our way to, to wipe out, completely annihilate those practices, philosophies, beliefs, and the people. And, and now that like, quote unquote, academia has discovered ways of framing it in a way that actually are 
you know, our academic intellectual minds can grok, now it's okay, you know? And so right. there's a way in which we need to kind of grapple with that. So that I think is, is true. And then also the other, yeah. the other piece of this is we need to be continuing to look at the blind spots, the, the unconscious frameworks, the, the ways in which we are, we've been imprinted with ways of being that are making it so that when we use these tools, they're not actually meeting the mark. And a big part of that is who are our people and then who are we at? we partnered with and getting reflection from. So, yes, all that. I would add to that for myself, a sense of slowing down and backing up. And I mean, backing up Mm. by way of getting perspective, you know, that if I find myself in sort of the weeds of a thing, chances Mm -hmm. are I'm, I'm too close. I'm looking too close in for like where, yeah, for what I'm trying to, to grapple with, you know, that if, if I want, true participation and you know for voices to be heard and people to be honored and and those yeah. things that i probably need to back out a few rings um, of aperture and really really think about the wider context and what's going on in the in the larger field yeah so this was helpful just to wander around in our yeah. in our thoughts at least yeah. it was for me Sounds like it was for you. I hope the listener went somewhere helpful. Yeah. What what questions emerged for you? What does it raise for you? What? D- yeah. What are you What are you mulling on now? You know, we'd love to hear from you. Um, you can always drop into our LinkedIn group, the Dis- disrupting our practice LinkedIn group, um, and drop a note there, or shoot us an email at either Greg or Shannon at ConnectionWorks dot com. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Keep an eye out. Keep in touch. We're cooking up our Disrupting Our Practice program to come in the fall and do a deeper dive of these things, both to and understand them on all the levels that we covered here in this podcast. Our bodies, our minds, trying to have an experience together and hear from different folks. And it'd be really lovely to have you all on. Yes, yes, yes. So so please let us know if you're interested in that. Also, if you want to leave us a review, that would be super helpful. We would super appreciate it. So uh, I think that's it, Shannon. I think so, Greg. Let's go outside and play. <laughs> well, you can't do that. <laughs> I can't do that. But you go outside and play yes. um, in my in my honor. Yes, I will. <laughs> Happily. Go do in my, that. In, yeah. And uh, thank you to all the folks for listening. And uh, we'll see you next time. Next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.